0: Emergency. Batman speaking. Warning all of you to brace yourselves for big news.
1: People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne.
0: Lieutenant, is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? If you make yourself more than just a man... The figure in the dark was my destiny. If you devote yourself to a got to strike fear in them from the start. Then you become something else entirely. There are things about me that you wouldn't understand. What are you? I'm Batman. Welcome to Month, a special presentation of the Dork Knights dedicated to the many incarnations of one of the greatest superheroes of all time. As part of this dynamic duo, I am your host, MB, and joining me is the Bane to My Talia, the spoiler to my Robin and the creeper to my Harley, Birdman,
1: Holy cannoli, Batman.
0: Indeed, boy wonder. So here we are again, talking about the Dark Knight. Yes, round two. Round two of our sad devotion to a fictional character. Yes, I was talking
1: to someone earlier today, and they were like, "You don't geek out enough, you know. You don't. You're not very. You're not very geeking. You don't geek." Out. I was like, "Dude." <laughs> I did an hour-long podcast dedicated to Batman. I plan to do another hour-long podcast dedicated to Batman. I plan to do four or five more of those podcasts dedicated to Batman. And you're saying I don't geek out?
0: Yeah, I mean, clearly that person has never listened to the Dork Knights. No. I mean, we did we a did, uh, hour-long special about, well, over-hour-long special about our favorite comic character. Yeah, I know
1: this. That was almost two hours.
0: Most of that was talking about Batman. Yeah,
1: even when we were talking about Iron Man, I remember we were talking about Iron Man, but slowly things shifted back to
0: Batman. (laughs) And we
1: went on a Batman tangent for a half hour.
0: Yeah, indeed. But Bird, this isn't about us.
1: Yes, it was not. It's about about our Lord, the man who we look to for guidance, we look to for moral strength. He is our compass in the middle of this storm that we call life. (laughs) Not, Not Jesus Christ, not. Allah, not Buddha, Bruce not guide, Batman, Bruce Wayne.
0: <laughs> because he knows best. He
1: knows best. Yes.
0: He knows how to beat Superman <laughs> and the Spectre.
1: I have um, a bracelet on my arm. WWBD? What would Batman do?
0: And then little, it's a little bat logo. Yeah. It like I, a little carving of Adam West's face.
1: I ask myself that, then I take the problem head on. And I punch it in the face till it submits, <laughs> just like Batman.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're essentially starting our own church of Batman at this point.
1: I call I call Bat Pope or Bat Bishop or I don't know. We'll work on the titles later.
0: Bat Reverend. Bat Reverend. All right. Well, okay. Before we get into our main topic, which mm-hmm. we do have a main topic this time. We're not just kind of randomly going about different aspects of the Batman mythos. Has Batman ever in real life ever like how has he affected you in real life?
1: Real life, um Huh. Or has he? I'm not really sure. I'm trying to think like of a time where Batman helped me out. I know as dorky as this sounds, Green Lantern helped me out one time. Like just remember Green Lantern, but I was in my truck. I had like 30 miles to go somewhere. I thought I was gonna run out of gas. I was like, you know, what happens if I run out of gas? You run out of gas. You run out of gas. You know, no fear. You know, you have fear, but you can overcome it. Be like Green Lantern, <laughs> and I didn't run out of gas. That's <laughs> that's sad. I know it's sad. But well,
0: I, I don't know. It's it's kind of cool. I, I mean, would say
1: that like Green Lantern, maybe his philosophy is more helpful in facing everyday problems than Batman. You know.
0: Well, I mean, if you tell yourself that you have the willpower...
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Whereas, you know, Batman is like, if I get some gadgets, you know, I can... And if I get some gadgets and I train all across the world for 10 to 12 years, I'll be able to file this income tax properly.
0: (laughs) Also, if you get billions of dollars. Yeah. But yeah, I just mentioned that because I remember being told a story about when I was a kid, how whenever I would want to stand up for myself
1: mm-hmm.
0: as, like, a little kid, not, like, an adult, which, you know, if I did do it as an adult, I would probably, you know, be committed, <laughs> but every time I wanted to stand up for myself, I would put on a Batman Halloween costume that I had, and suddenly I would have confidence whenever I, whenever I spoke, like, it, like it would have, it was stir something up within me to wear that suit. <laughs>
1: You were four, but yet, like when you talked, Kevin Connors' voice come out your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: had the I had the pseudo, uh Christian Bale, the yeah. pre the you pre started. Bale. Bale <laughs>
1: heard you doing that. He's like, get on, I'm gonna get on, in on that.
0: <laughs> exactly. But um, then, that, he, that you think, then I stepped in front of his lights, and
1: <laughs> that was it. Y'all <laughs> were done professionally.
0: <laughs> he chewed me out. I was forever scarred.
1: Um, but you saying that made me think I did. For a while, running around with, like, I had a Batman cape and cowl Mm -hmm. that I would wear. And my parents always told me I'd wear it like I'd be sitting in the back of the car. You know, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. And I did that up until the time I was about six. Teen. (laughs) More or less. Once once I, you know, I tried to take it to graduation. Then they had an intervention for me. (laughs) It's like, Batman doesn't need an intervention. I jumped out the window. Broke every bone in my body,
0: and that's how you learn your lesson. Yes. Someday you'll you'll return to the cowl.
1: I am Batman, Wait. no more.
0: <laughs> when mutants overtake Georgia? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. You seen Georgia lately? He's probably getting there.
0: <laughs> I mean, I would say they're already mutants, but yeah. All right. Well, we've we've done silly stuff for long enough. It's time to it's time to get serious. Bro. Let's get
1: serious. We're
0: let's get serious. Seriously, seriously bird if if someone asked a random person on the street what they think is the first batman film what do you think they would say
1: oh um probably without a doubt would be the burton films
0: yeah probably or the, the you would get the occasional person who would say well it was the adam west film
1: well yeah but they probably say well it was a tv show first they wouldn't think about the actual adam west movie i don't think
0: yeah that's true i guess i guess in all fairness it just Pretty much goes back to Burton, but yeah. in any case, they would be wrong because yes, they did wrong in nineteen forty three a series of serials were released by Columbia Pictures, starring a little known actor named Lewis Wilson, and they were actually the first Batman film mm-hmm. less, um, you know they were i mean they were low budget yeah. and they were serialized so it would always sort of end on a cheap cliffhanger but Victor, my brother.
1: Dun, dun, dun. Tune in next time. <laughs>
0: Tune in um, next week. Yeah, at this but, theater.
1: Um these serials, though, they were actually some of the first actual superheroes on film. Because uh, I believe wasn't Captain Marvel the first?
0: Captain Marvel had a serial. Superman had a yeah. serial, and I know, uh, I know that Captain America had a serial yeah. that took a lot of liberties. Like he was a lawyer. By day, <laughs> he didn't really have a shield. He he was more like a gun toting Captain America.
1: He he just he used positive thoughts to avoid the bullets.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I he mean,
1: and around the bad guys.
0: I don't I don't even think he was really a super soldier. I think it was more or less just a guy in you know, a Captain America costume running around killing people. Uh. Uh, so essentially, what you would be like if you were Captain America.
1: Yeah, uh, I would want to use the shield, though, not so much as a defensive weapon, but, you know, bash somebody upside the head, get in with their neck real good, and just snap their neck. I know. I've done it before.
0: <laughs> You've dealt with it before? Yeah. Those uppity darkies. Anyway, we shouldn't we shouldn't mention your racism on a Batman podcast. No.
1: Batman is above racism. He's pure.
0: Exactly, as these serials will prove. Yes. <laughs> So, these were the first Batman films. They were in black and white. Pretty much low budget. I mean, they didn't have money for a proper Batmobile. Uh, They drove around in like a Chevy, I think. Or a Lincoln Um, Continental or something.
1: Yeah, uh, well, at the time, was the Batmobile flashy in the comics? I know when the Batmobile first showed up, it was like Bruce Wayne's uh, station wagon.
0: Well, by that time, he had stopped driving that, I think. But, um, I don't know if he gained a proper Batmobile... Because I know it wasn't until like probably the late 40s or the early 50s when he gained, you know, the Batmobile that became the most famous mm-hmm. at the time, like the the bat head on front and you know the big fin. Um, but I don't think he was driving around the station wagon, which is pretty much more or less what these serials used. Ironically enough, like these serials, as we were discussing earlier. Actually, did have a pretty lasting impact on the mythos, despite the fact that not many people know they exist. Like, unless you're a real hardcore yeah. Batman fan, you wouldn't really, you know, know to seek these out or anything.
1: Yeah, a hardcore Batman fan, like, um, say, maybe y- you and
0: I. Yeah, pretty much. And and even you, I, I did you know about the serials before?
1: Um, I'd heard of them, but yeah, like I didn't really actually watch them until. When we were paying for this,
0: yeah. In, for those listening, you can actually find each segment part on YouTube if you uh, search for it. Yeah, they're all up there, and you can also pick up the DVD in stores for pretty cheap. Uh, they both have they have two different versions. They have Batman, which is the 1943 serial, and then the Batman and Robin, which is 1949, which is actually another serial that we'll probably get into. But the first serial. Was made in 1943, like we said, and it was made during in the midst of World War II. So it was very like there were patriotic elements in there, um, but not to the point where I would say Batman and Robin in it were good fighters.
1: Yeah. Um, they uh, they I think they mentioned like in one part they were working with the United States government or something. Yeah. As Batman and Robin.
0: Yeah, I mean this this version of Batman didn't really feature Gordon or anything like no, that. It I was think Captain Arnold, I think was his name. Yeah, uh, Captain Arnold, um, who <laughs> who for some reason Batman would constantly call just to harass him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Captain Arnold, guess I'm doing your job better than you kiss my ass. <laughs> Stop calling his number. Um, yeah, that's what like you know because I think the times they show like he's complaining, oh this Batman guy, you know. He does our job better than us, and at the end of the show, he's like, "All right, let's kill him." He, you know, they want to pull his guns out and, and orders his men to like take him, you know, down. But then, of course, he's Batman, and he's gone into the shadows.
0: Exactly, exactly, into the poorly lit shadows. Um, but you know, it was it took some liberties, but at the same time, it actually does have some pretty faithful elements. Like, like you've never seen in like the more modern films, you've never seen. Bruce Wayne go out with, like, sort of a, uh, like, an alternate sky. It's Like, he's never had a Matches yeah. Malone in the films yet. Um, the closest being probably that scene in Batman Begins where he's spying on Rachel.
1: Yeah, and he did some, like, detective work in The Dark Knight, you know, um, during the daylight, but yeah, it wasn't like, he wasn't full-out undercover. Like, he kind of, like, he, I think wasn't in Batman Begins, he was dressed up like a hobo.
0: Yeah, and then in in the dark night he was he basically more or less just rode a motorcycle.
1: Hey, is Bruce Wayne riding a motorcycle? Shit. I, I, never, I knew I should've put on a fake beard. My car is blown. Why are you talking like that? Bruce Wayne does not like that. But Batman does.
0: Look over there. <laughs> <Vroom>. <laughs> and then he ran over them. <laughs> um but no, this this serial actually showcased that side of the character. Like he, he doesn't He isn't matches Malone, but he's a character called Jack White, and he wears like a nice. He wears like a prosthetic nose and a wig. I think he
1: plays. He plays in a band with a lady who might be his wife, might be a sister,
0: (laughs) might be. Uh, they they end up uh appearing on Conan O'Brien a lot.
1: Conan O'Brien loves
0: Bruce Wayne. Is Jack White? Yeah, he does. But um, yeah, I mean there were like. There are those elements, and then you have Batman actively like seeking out a case, as opposed to like essentially stomach-lying into a case, which is kind of what he did in the modern films. Even though, even though they're much better, like don't get me wrong, these films, as much as good as they have going for them, these films are actually kind of boring if you sit and watch them for a while because it's like it's fifteen chapters, so it's put together. It's kind of a long running time.
1: Yeah. Um, and you know when the films were designed, they weren't necessarily designed for to watch one sitting.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, you had to go back to the theater like pretty much every week for a new installment. Like, yeah, ten... it was like
1: it was almost like TV before, you know, there was TV.
0: Yeah, it's like it, essentially it was more or less fifteen minute installments that you would pay to go see and then return. And go see the next chapter, just a almost like sort of like a pre, like a pre Adam West version. Yeah. Except not nearly as campy, and well, there is some camp, but it's not intentional. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, the bat suit itself, not would you say the very most effective?
1: Well, I mean, I did like the ears.
0: Yeah. They,
1: he he looks more like a like a coyote or something.
0: Yeah, he does than
1: an actual bat.
0: Yeah, but, um, but the cowl is like it's all bunched up in the back.
1: Batman, he's just a sloppy a slob, you know. Yeah, you
0: know. Well, yeah, I mean, he,
1: he's he's got a butler. You would think he'd be a little more neater with his stuff.
0: That's another actually good point. Is that um, before this, I don't think Alfred was technically a butler. I mean, I know he. I know he eventually became one. I think by his first appearance, actually, he became one, so that's it's a little bit different. But um, he was portly and sort of a doofus, like in the comic books.
1: Well, yeah. Um, he's kind of in the series, too. He's a little maybe doofus-y.
0: Yeah, a little. But yeah, at, the he, same, at the same time, he does have that sort of... He does have moments of, like... What the current Alfred is.
1: Yeah, like the, the dry wit and stuff. Yeah. Something Alfred in, in the modern day comics seems to do pretty well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you, some would say that's even like as far as uh, their relationship goes sometimes. Yeah. Um, But, you know, in this version, Alfred was portrayed as a thin British butler with a pencil mustache, which is essentially what Alfred... Became from that point on, yeah. until even today,
1: yeah. Except for Michael Go and Michael K messed with the program by being British men without pencil mustaches.
0: <laughs> you know that actually bothered me when the first picture of Michael Kane was released. Really, a little bit. Well, like I said, Michael Go didn't have. Yeah, that's pretty much like what I latched onto as far as like reasoning. Beyond it, I yeah, it was it was dumb to even think yeah. about.
1: Like I don't think like necessarily the look matters. Yeah, I mean it kind of matters a little bit. Now you know if like if like what they did in one of the what year one scripts where they turned Alfred into Big Al, uh, you know a big black mechanic who <laughs> was pretty much um Sergeant Al Powell from Die Hard.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, but you know. You gotta know that's a pretty badass version. Yeah,
1: that's true.
0: Maybe. Big black man. Well, I guess I lost you there when I said yeah. big black man. <laughs> Alfred ain't no black man.
1: You lost me, but yet you were aroused.
0: <laughs> Does that put our relationship into question?
1: Dun-dun-dun. All right, now
0: next chapter. <laughs> Found out <in> now chapter. <laughs> um, But yeah, the Batman serials. I mean... You watched a little bit of it. Like, what was yep. your general opinion? Um,
1: honestly, they did have some value as camp. I think, you know, just it was almost kind of like you know, it's so bad it's good in a way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I kind of felt that. Uh, uh, as well as uh, like it, it was just it was just very. Uh, I guess to me, I found it more interesting as a study of what. Like get a good idea of a mind frame of what Batman was like back then in his earlier days, yeah. Because I I haven't read any of those comics. Like some of the early comics, I've never been able to read them.
0: Mm, really? And so
1: like I've never you know experienced him in his genesis. I
0: would I would say having read I I have the first volume of the Batman Chronicles, which mm-hmm. is essentially like Detective Comics twenty seven up to like Batman number one.
1: Ooh, aren't uh, you be spiffy?
0: Um, but yeah, it was more or less like an adaptation of those comics. I would say Batman was more of a quipster by the time Robin came along, because Robin is in this yeah serial. Um, um but it... I would say the Batman in this film was closer to how he was when he first appeared. Like he he kind of just showed up, fought villains, and left. And Snapped he was.
1: people's necks.
0: Yeah, pretty well. He yeah he was more hardcore than the. the gun. Yeah, a gun. He fought vampires. Whatever, uh, what happened whatever <laughs> happened to that Batman?
1: I don't know. Or well, yeah. he became a vampire, didn't he? And um the Elseworld knew that's what happened. That Batman became a vampire.
0: Yeah, the, <laughs> that Batman got bitten by Dracula.
1: And he grew some very messed up ears.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, screwed up anatomy. Yeah. But but we're not talking about that version today, thankfully. Or else we'd be here all day. Blah. Ugh, I am not oh, oh, uh. but um, <laughs> it's actually interesting that we mentioned foreign, uh, foreign monsters because uh, you know, you would think out of all the wealth by that point, like they had they had already introduced the Joker and Catwoman, and I think the Riddler, maybe the Scarecrow by then. Like a couple of the Batman villains had shown up in the comics.
1: Was uh Two Faced by then or was he later?
0: Um I think he was after, but I think he was still in the forties. Like yeah. I think I think nineteen forty six or something like that. Um but you would think out of all the Batman villains that had already shown up in the comic books, they would choose one of them as the first movie Batman villain. Which you'd be wrong about because <laughs> Because they're villain, they're villain. Like I, I don't even know what to say, really. Like, I can say something. <laughs> I know you could say plenty, but he was a guy named Doctor Daka. I think he was Doctor Tito Daka or something like that. Tito,
1: yes, of course, Tito. That's a perfectly legit Japanese first name.
0: Yeah, he was a Japanese monarch who created uh, zombies with like these sort of brain attachments like yeah like silver helmets essentially like they were they were something out of a bad sci fi film and that's that's fine but except except when you take account the American you know, the American portrait of a Japanese man back then.
1: Yes. Yes. Best uh, that was the best part of that whole serial.
0: Uh, you want to talk a little bit about this?
1: Um, well, first off, the guy they got to play the Japanese guy, I looked him up, um, when I was watching it, and the guy who played him, his name was J. Carol Nash, N-A-I-S-H. Yep. And he was, first off, he was American, and he was Irish, you know, he was of Irish descent. And so, of course, they got an American Irish descent to play a Japanese guy. Of course. And just his portrayal was just so over the top, you know. Hero! You know? (laughs) They had him, like, made up with the... He he wasn't as bad as, I've seen some, uh, like, characters of Japanese people that, you know, with the buck teeth and stuff.
0: Yeah, Um, didn't you say, like, didn't you point out Breakfast at Tiffany's?
1: Yeah, Breakfast at Tiffany's had a very, very, um, like, racist portrayal of a Japanese guy, but, um but they were more subtle with his features. I mean, they still made him look Japanese.
0: Yeah. And
1: he still talked with the, you know, hero, sorry, you know, Japanese accent with the L and R's. Um, but, um, one, of the, I remember, I think it was about two minutes in and the narrator's talking and I just laughed so hard because <laughs> it just comes out of nowhere. He's talking about how like, while the war rages on uh, the home front, you know, um, Little Tokyo in Gotham City has become silent as the shifty-eyed Japs have been rounded <laughs> up into, into camps.
0: <laughs> oh, God. And, and it this, gets better. And this, by the way, this was a serial that was mostly targeted to kids because they were the only ones that kind of read the comics back then.
1: Yeah, um... But, and honestly, I know... Maybe this is a common defense. Yeah, but... It was the 40s. Yeah. And not only was it the 40s, but these people that they were throwing racial slurs at were, were the enemy. Who were fighting in the middle of a war.
0: Yeah. I know. I know. But, you know, to watch it today is still pretty hilarious.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's hilarious now, but, um, at the time it was just pretty much standard fare because, like, I remember seeing that there was, like, a, uh, like, a war, war bomb poster, and I forgot what it actually showed, but, um... The tagline for it was, buy war bonds and slap a Jap.
0: <laughs> you need to bring that back. I do, don't I? You do. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty much standard practice for the day. It'd be like featuring, like, a uh, suicide bomber or something.
1: Suicide bombers or Muslims or something.
0: Yeah, I mean, we have plenty of portrayals of those in media, so I guess... I guess really not ones to talk, but uh,
1: That's the, yeah. I sent you a link. That's the poster.
0: Yeah, um, but you know, you would you would think you know, okay, well they've said their piece about it, you know, through that narrator, it would be enough to do that, and you know the rest is fairly standard. You know, Batman has to track down who's making the the mindless zombies, and he fights the mob a little bit. You you know, you would think it would be standard... I mean, you would think that would be all that they would really have to say, you know, slap it. you know, the whole, you know, shifty-eyed jet thing. Yeah. Well, you know, as the story progresses, (laughs) and Batman fights the mob, and he, you know, is on the trail of this guy that's making zombies, you know, Dr. Daka, something shifts in tone. Like... Like, essentially, it becomes uh, pretty much a pro-war film at some point. Like, when, by the time Batman and Robin find the villain's lair, um, and there's a specific scene that I told you about before you started watching. Yeah. And you never, you had never seen it before, and I actually directed it towards you. Um, There's a scene where Batman is taken captive by the zombies. Like, he's he's caught by surprise. And essentially, well, what does he say, Bird?
1: He says, you Jap devil, you... <laughs> that's what he calls, you know, the doctor.
0: Yeah, well, it, that's not exactly, like, all that he says. Like, oh, when he's captured... I failed. When he's captured, the first thing he says is, oh, a Jap! Oh, yeah, that's right.
1: I forgot about that. There's like a whole like thirty second thing he does.
0: <laughs> and you know, he's taken down the lair and he says, You monstrous Jap. What have you done with them? <laughs> it's it's Batman the racist, is what this essentially what this portrayal boils yes. down to.
1: And that was a big pro for me when I was evaluating um the episode.
0: It's the only Batman that you can personally identify with. Yeah.
1: And I, I like to think that this was Bob Kane's true vision when he came up with Batman.
0: Exactly. I mean, you know, they were all heavily into the war, too. You know, Batman was featured in some pretty pro-war huh. stories in the comics. So, you know, it could very well have been what Batman Yeah, I
1: mean, Superman punched out Hitler like 1,600 times.
0: Exactly. And another superhero that we won't get into. Uh, But... You know, it's it's just interesting to to watch at this time how how much uh, things have changed because you know instead of punching out uh, Jap devils and shifty eyed Japs and you know those those scourge those scoundrels of the earth you know now he just punches out mental patients
1: yeah people who are crazed and you know have a, a loose grip on reality.
0: Yeah, people who need, you know, proper attention and treatment.
1: Yeah, he'll knock the shit out of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, but, you know, he'll leave the Japs alone. and For now.
1: Well, although in the anime series he fought a ninja, so... And a Russian. Oh, uh, Red Call. she was a Russian.
0: Or a communist, something like that. Yeah, I
1: know she was a terrorist, but she just had like a vague Eastern European Russian accent.
0: Yeah, something like I, I can't recall if they ever got into their actual.
1: She might have been Russian because her name was Red Claw, So,
0: yeah, yeah, I guess I guess the if anything like the assumption was there, or like the yeah. like the vague suggestion. Yeah, but yeah, pretty much like this. I mean, if you take away anything from this version of Batman, it's that like, okay he he's running around fighting a Japanese guy. Calling him a dirty Jap. <laughs> I mean, not the most, like, not the most um, timely or, you know, not the most, it doesn't really it's, stand up to time. Yeah,
1: it doesn't stand the test of time.
0: No, no, it's, it's very dated. But, you know, I would say if you get a chance, because I'm assuming most who listen to this aren't have never seen them and probably would never see them. Uh, if you get a chance, I would recommend seeing it just solely off of the fact that it sort of paints a portrayal of what, like you said, what Batman was like in the comics at the time and, and what the storylines for the comics were and also what serialized superhero movie were because, you know, it did not really get much better than this, to be honest. As, as bad as it is.
1: Yeah, um, I've heard some stuff about how the... Uh... Like, the Superman serial wasn't really that great.
0: I think they literally, like, whenever he had to fly, they literally cut to a cartoon or something.
1: <laughs> Production value.
0: What's that for?
1: Or or maybe at least, uh... Or if they're going to cut to a cartoon, at least cut to, like, the Fleischer cartoons.
0: Well, I think, I think that was more or less what they did. Oh, really? Like, a version of them, but in black and white.
1: Uh,
0: like, superimposed over a live-action image.
1: Cheap. Assholes.
0: Oh, yeah. But, um... The one in 1943 came along. And then there was... Because that one was so popular, a sequel was made. Starring in 1948, I think. Starring Robert Lowry. Who, again, not a very well-known actor. Um... And also there was... The Robin in the first serial was clearly uh, a little kid. Um... So he fit the part. This one had more of like I would say sort of a Dean Martin looking like like much more of a older decoration, I would say. So
1: like Chris O'Donnell. Someone who was like in his twenties.
0: Yeah, he, he had an, yeah, he had an earring and everything. Yeah. Um <laughs> But no it, this version of Batman, you know, it wasn't it wasn't so much racist, it was just more of a it was more of a straightforward tale, and this one, I would say, more so than the other one, is more like a serious, straight-faced p- portrayal of the Adam West series. Like, it's it's more or less what Adam West would have been if they didn't decide, well, let's go with a, a tongue-in-cheek, like a tongue-in-cheek, campy version of the character, which would have been a mistake, because the comics themselves actually reflected that at the time. And this was, this is more or less sort of an attempt to do Batman as serious before he could be serious. Like they kind of jumped the gun on it. To be honest,
1: um, they were they were goofy and campy in in forty forty
0: eight. Yeah, by that time, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, they were goofy and campy, like by the second year of Batman publications. So. Um, but. This version, I would say, I don't know if it had a bigger budget. It had, like, a better like better costume for the actors, I think. Um, not much better, but at least to the point where it's like it didn't have coyote ears or anything.
1: Well, you know, in 43, there was a war on them. They had to scrimp and save.
0: Yeah, they had those to buy co- all those war bonds.
1: All those costumes they, they made could have went to paratroopers' parachutes.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Would you rather have a Would you have, rather have a uh, well made Batman costume or a dead paratrooper?
0: Well, look at who you're talking to.
1: How long have you? This uh, how long have you hated America? Let's just come out and answer <laughs> me that. But um, you dirty jap devil,
0: <laughs> shifty eyed jap. <laughs> but um, yeah this this version of Batman was made in 1948. Uh starred Robert Lowry and John Duncan and had a villain in it called the Wizard, which was more of a whereas Dr. Decca was more of like a racist, mad scientist, uh this one was more of like the stereotypical supervillain. Like his his whole stick was that he was in the shadows, wearing a mask and a cloak. Um was he a Klansman? He kind of looked like one to be honest. Except mm-hmm. except his cloak was black and his hood was black, and it didn't have, like, the pointy hood. Damn it. So, I mean, it was half racist, when you think about it. Um, but his whole stick was that he was controlling radio waves, like, he was able to stop trains and stuff, and he was actually, in one of the chapters, able to turn himself invisible for a short time. And this one was more of, like, a straight-up portrayal of um... Like, a straight-up murder mystery. Mm-hmm. Like, like this guy would go around, kill people, or commit crimes, and Batman and Robin would have to, you know, in conjunction with the police, and, you know, Commissioner Gordon was actually in this one. They would have to go around, solve crimes, you know, figure out what the wizard's next movement was. The problem is, the story wasn't really that strong. Like, you know, they would... You could kind of see who was the wizard coming from a while away, um it was was
1: it uh Victor
0: my brother or Lincoln, my evil dun, dun, twin brother dun, dun. um but no it was uh i believe it was like a manservant for like this this crippled guy, and he
1: was and... also Japanese
0: <laughs> yeah, actually he was british, so there was a there was a bit of English racism going on,
1: so it was like a sissy fight between him and Alfred
0: yeah pretty much um, but you know this there's not really much to say about this version. It was more or less the same as the earlier version with a I would say a slightly better costume um actually a worse car like at one point at one point uh Vicki Vale is in this and she is on the trail of the wizard as well, and she stops Batman like well. No, no, no. Batman stops her, like, in the midst of the investigation, and she asks him why he's driving Bruce Wayne's car.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. That's so awesome.
0: And he says, well, Bruce, lend it to me.
1: <laughs>
0: no question. <laughs> For some
1: that. reason, I imagine like, the car having, like, vanity plates, like, B-R-C-E-W-Y-N-E, you know?
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: He's got, like, a decal on the back. When I am Bruce Wayne, this is Bruce Wayne's car. <laughs>
0: My secret identity is Bruce Wayne spray painted on the side.
1: <laughs> well, you know, um, I don't know if the series ever established it, but when Batman first started off, he wasn't necessarily, like they said he was well off, but he wasn't like, you know, over time he's become like, you know, what, the richest man in the whole DC universe.
0: Yeah, one of them. But, yeah, because um,
1: I, cause I imagine like back then he he was still on a budget, you know.
0: He he was a bit on budget, you know. It it kind of fluctuated to where he was, he was a wealthy, he was a wealthy sort of philanthropist or layabout, and then he eventually became millionaire Bruce Wayne, and now he's billionaire Bruce Wayne. So it's yeah. kind of throughout the years, just kind of gradually bit up. Yeah, make
1: Probably in a couple in I say about 10, 20 years, he'll be a trillionaire.
0: Yeah, went back. When you know, trillionaires are a dime a dozen. Yeah, uh, and both of us will have at least a thousand dollars. Maybe
1: oh. one day. I hope so.
0: Oh, you still think we'll be poor?
1: No, we'll. Yeah, we'll always be poor. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, probably, but yeah, our parents didn't die and leave us with an inheritance. Uh-huh. So
1: all they left us was a uh, family history of heart disease, cancer. Emilio Onus. <laughs> that is my inheritance.
0: That's kind of my inheritance, too. Um, but, you know, the 1948 serial was a modest hit. It was, you know, it made enough to where I think a third might have been planned if the whole serial craze didn't kind of die out, like, long after, not long after that. Yeah. So, in the 1940s, you had Batman by Columbia Pictures, and also Batman and Robin, which I don't think was by Columbia. I think they had pulled out of the rights, and some other, like, lesser company started making them. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, they were the first film incarnations of Batman and Robin and Gotham City and Alfred and all of that. And they actually introduced some things, like the 1943 serial was the first to come up with the idea of a bat cave. Yeah. And it was essentially where Batman would leave thugs to, you know, starve to death, pretty much.
1: Yeah, that's what I seen one where his grand interrogation technique was that he was going to leave the guy to be eaten by his bats.
0: Yeah, pretty much. And we never saw him again, so the assumption is that he died.
1: Yes. Um, And I also like when they show the bat cave, it's just... It's just all of us in the Batcave. You know, you see the Batcave now, there's all the Batmobiles, the computers, the the memorabilia, the giant pen of the T-Rex, but back then it was just a desk with like a bat head on it.
0: Yeah, pretty much. And also there was like this sort of, off to the side there was like this dungeon type uh, gate that would go up, and I guess that was the entrance to Wayne Manor. Well, oh, but... that's
1: just, that was where he got his freak on.
0: yeah. That was like the bat. That was the bat S and M cave.
1: The bat stabbing cabin.
0: (laughs) The bat stabbing cabin. But um, yeah, I mean, by that point, I guess it's safe to say that you know this. The portrayal of the serials might have caught the eye of executives at Fox, which were developing television pilots. And of course, one of their m- more infamous, or pretty famous—I wouldn't say it's infamous. Would you say it lives in infamy? Uh,
1: what? Which one?
0: Uh, Fox television show. Oh, you
1: talking about uh? You, now, are you talking about the actual Batman, the Adam West one? Yeah. I would. S- I don't think it's infamous. Like Batman and Robin, the Joel Schumacher film is infamous. Yeah. But no, nah, bat yeah that that Batman. It was, uh, that's famous.
0: Story. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is pretty famous. I would say it's more well-received and well-accepted for what it was.
1: Yeah. Well, you said that it caught, like, the series caught called the eye of doing a TV show, but... Maybe. Maybe, because that's what I was going to say. It was, like, what, 16 years later before Batman TV show took off.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I would say it was more so the comics that cut the...
1: Yeah. But yeah, I think um this one of the guys who worked on the T V show was Nelson Riddle and um he was a television producer, writer, um and composer. Uh he was the one who was responsible for the uh, famous theme song.
0: Really? Yeah. You know, I always assumed it was Neil Hefty. But I guess I guess he more or less just did the in show music.
1: Yeah, maybe so. I could be wrong. I'm kind of getting—I'm doubting myself because you have another story. So when it comes to all things Batman, I kind of want to, you know, refer to you. If you said it's not Nelson Riddle, then—well,
0: I mean, it could be. I'm—I'm I'm not saying it's not. So we'll just—we'll just leave it. We'll just leave it on the show.
1: Well, you know, like I said before, I, you know, I'll be wrong because
0: because know, I can't. Can. Because you're not the racist that we all deserve. It's you're the racist we need.
1: Damn it! Although Neil Hefty wrote the Batman theme song, Riddle and Billy May scored the actual episodes. Damn it!
0: Okay, so Riddle did have a part of that, at least. Yeah,
1: he he did the actual like he did the episodes, but this Neil Hefty guy was the one who wrote the theme song. Yeah, bastard.
0: Well, was Hefty involved in the production process?
1: Um, I'm not sure. I what I was reading it right now. I don't, maybe he was.
0: Well, nevertheless, what we're talking about is the famous 1960s Adam West, Burt Ward Batman TV show. Which, you know, people can dismiss it all they want. It is the probably one of the sole reasons Batman has existed for as long as he has and thrived to become what he's become because that show was so insanely popular. Like, Like, I said the Forty-three serial and the forty-eight serial were popular, but they were modest hits. This was like, this was like lost back then. Yeah, this was um, like, this was like the Breaking Bad of that time.
1: Like you, uh, like you said, uh, you know, when it come on, Batmania swept across the country.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, there was tons of merchandise. There was a ton of you know parodies and parody posters and um you know Adam West and Burt Ward would make appearances in costume all the time yeah. uh um and there, there were also was... mm-hmm. there were also famous guest stars in the show that would play villains like at the time uh you know Burgess Meredith was the penguin Cesar Romero was the joker but there was also people like um there was actually what's his what's his name the famous piano player the Liberace. Liberace, yeah. He
1: played the. He played like a. He played a good guy, but that good guy's also evil twin brother who was robbing people.
0: I think he was called the Great Mandela or something. Yeah, I think so. Um, and you also had people like Frank Gorshin as the Riddler. Yeah. Um,
1: there were, <clears throat> there were three cat wi- cat women. Yeah. Um, one for the t- movie, and then you know two for the TV show. Yeah. Uh,
0: Julie Newmar, Lee Merriweather, and Eartha Kitt.
1: Uh, Vincent Price, of course, the great Vincent Price was Egghead.
0: <laughs> exactly, creepy Vincent Price was a guy who made egg puns. Yeah.
1: Um, Eli Wallach, one of the great actors, one of my favorite actors. Um, he was one of the Mister Freeze's. Yeah. He was the last Mister Freeze, last live action Mister Freeze up until Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and there's never been a Mister Freeze since. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, even, fun fact, another comic book connection, um, what's his name, played, uh, he was a Batman Bill. he was the, he was like a cowboy,
0: do you remember? Shane.
1: I, Shane, I can't remember his real name, Cliff but he Robertson. was- Cliff Robertson. Cliff Robertson, yeah, he was later Uncle Ben yeah, in he, the Spider-Man films.
0: Yeah, and he only recently died, actually.
1: Yeah, he died, uh, was it last year? Sometime last year, I think.
0: Last year it, or the year before. Oh, this year. Either yeah. last year or the year before, I think. Um, rest in peace but this show attracted so much attention i mean and obviously when you watch the show you can kind of see why because you know for as silly as the comic books themselves are you know this show knew it this show knew exactly what they were doing they would say the most outrageous things like you you knew what was going on like like you actually watch it to this day
1: yeah um I watch it, uh, I think I mentioned it in the last episode, yeah, I watch it, it comes on twice a week mm-hmm. on a local station here, uh, Saturdays at 7, and then Thursdays like at 8, and um, they always show the two parts, and yeah, I mean, I still get a kick out of watching it, especially like, uh, some of the plots are just great, because like, uh, one storyline involved the Riddler suing Batman, and forcing him to re- reveal his public identity.
0: That was uh, actually the first episode.
1: Yeah, it was the first episode. Then another involved Joker breaking out of jail, and I forgot what he did. He did he, his plan was something like, you know, something very contrived. Oh, it wasn't that one, but another one was um, he fixed. He was going to fix a, um, a high school basketball game <laughs> and bet on it and win all kinds of money. <laughs> uh, they would have
0: these, they would have these outrageous schemes from yeah. time to time. Like there was. Before Batman Returns ever approached the subject, there was actually an episode where the Penguin was legitimately running for mayor of Gotham City, and Batman ran against him.
1: Yeah, um, I remember that one. Um, then there was another one where Batman nearly got married in costume, not as Bruce Wayne, but as Batman. And
0: they would have these insanely contrived plots, uh, very much comic book plots. Yeah. Um, but and... it was so entertaining, because you would have... You know, this bright atmosphere, like everything was insanely colorful.
1: Yeah. And um I know I've heard people over the years talk about how they talk about how people hate on the show, say it's stupid and contrived, but you know, like they said, pick up a Batman comic book from that same time period. Yeah. And just like you were talking about last time where the whole you know, the issue where Batman auctions off all his equipment to catch <laughs> a thief. I mean, that sounds like something that I would have seen, you know, in the show.
0: Exactly. I mean, the comics influenced the show, and then the show actually influenced the comics, because it was so popular. But, you know, the show, I think, would have never gotten as popular as it was without the two leads. You know, you had Adam West, who was sort of the dumbest straight hero you could ever find. Like, the guy looks like he could be like a James Bond, but... As soon as he opens his mouth, it's like almost, it's Shatner-esque, you yeah. might say.
1: Um, and that's one of the things I loved about it was, um, uh, I mentioned before, just him being so serious
0: <laughs> yeah. in, this
1: ser- in this silly environment.
0: He was almost too serious, because there were some times where he would deliver his lines to the point where it just would go so over the top that it was gold.
1: I almost equate what he was doing, um, uh, 10 plus years later, which would lead to the Leslie Nielsen success in comedy movies, where, you know, you keep you deliver your lines straight, you know, you be deadpan serious while you deliver some of the most serious, I mean, some of the most silliest stuff that, you know, has never been written.
0: And speaking of silly stuff that's been written, let's talk a little bit about Robin. Um, Holy say... cannoli, Batman. <laughs> exactly. I would say, if there's one character that exemplifies what exactly the tone they were going for on that show is, it was Robin. Because, you know, you have Batman who's trying to play it all serious about the job. You know, he's he's out there, he's legitimately trying to do what he could do. And to some degree so to Robin, but Robin, he's such an enthusiastic teenager that it almost goes against him. Like, Like, he's so enthusiastic that he almost gets overexcited, and that's kind of what I think led to the whole uh, fist and yeah. palm thing.
1: Um, but that's one of the best parts of it. You know, he gets overexcited, and you know he slaps his fists, and Batman puts his hand on her. Easy there, Robin. There's no need for all this excitement.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Steady, old chum.
0: Steady, old chum. And, you know, there was also one of my favorite things about the old series was that every Bat gadget was labeled.
1: Oh, yeah, clearly, Mart, and, you know, you needed your bat flotation device.
0: <laughs> that was, was right another, there, Mart. That was another thing, is that the the silliness of the gadgets, like, of course everyone knows the sh- bat shark repellent, yeah. or the shark repellent bat spray, rather. Um, but, you know, you also had the atomic bat battery. You had the bat stethoscope, the bat, uh, I think there was a machine... I think there we was a machine in the movie actually where uh, it separated particles, and it was the bat. It was something like the bat particle separator. <laughs> um, and then you know you would have the bat computer, like you would have It was obviously like a very archaic computer because it was the sixties, yeah. but it would also it would always deduce like exactly what like the Riddler's Rails meant.
1: Yeah, or well, they had Robin for that.
0: Oh, that's true, because Robin came up with the most insane conclusions, and they were always right.
1: Just, like, yeah, I just imagine that. Like, you know, they go to the place, like, he's not here, and like, all of a sudden, like, halfway across town, they see a bomb explodes. You said it was going to be a sparrow and a machine gun. That makes no sense! <laughs> I'm 15 years old, man! <laughs>
0: I mean, there was a mach- bearum with a machine gun. Then there was my favorite, which is the, what people are always rushing. Russians. I know what he means. Someone rushing is going to slip on a banana peel and break their neck. Yeah. And, and, then, and then West replies, there's no other logical conclusion, old chump. It was it was obvious from the start.
1: Yeah. Um, I remember in the, um, I'm trying to look it up now, but I remember in the, uh, the what you call it, the uh the movie that yeah. was made for uh the T V show. There's this insane riddle that like first off the riddler I think his method of delivering it is through skydive or like a skywriting.
0: Yeah, sky missile actually. Yeah,
1: he sees like a sky missile out. Yeah. And um there's just this you know, this insane riddle and I was trying to look it up, because I was gonna read it verbatim. <laughs>
0: And there's, it's actually a pretty famous uh, line, is that every time the miss, when the missile shot up, Robin would say, holy Polaris, because it was a Polaris missile.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I found it right here, here it is. Um, Batman and Robin spied the Riddler's latest missile delivery clues. What goes up white and comes down yellow and white? An, An egg. egg. How do you divide 17 apples among 16 people?
0: Make applesauce. Make apple sauce.
1: Yeah. And then Batman's like apples into applesauce. A unification into one smooth mixture. An egg. Nature's perfect container. The container of all our hopes and futures. A unification and container of hope. The United World Organization. Precisely, (laughs) Robin.
0: An egg is the container of all our hopes and futures. So whenever whenever you're having trouble in life, bird, simply look to the egg.
1: Look to the egg or just jump at conclusions. (laughs) <laughs> That's what, I mean, for a show that was kind of geared towards kids, they really didn't teach good problem-solving skills.
0: No, no, not at all. It was it was more about, you know, the bright biffs and the whams and the pals. And, and the zappos. Yeah, I mean, if anything, that show did have a pretty good amount of action. Not Not very, not very well, not very well-portrayed action, but. Yeah, it had a lot of action. Like Batman and Robin would get into pretty good fist fights.
1: Although we never see him hit anybody, <laughs> that, the, those zams were you know, conveniently placed.
0: <laughs> and you know, you would also notice like when a stuntman would like really go to the side, and it would have like the sound effect in place.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, for all intents and purposes, it it was it was a very kid friendly show. I would say. Like, there was only, I think there was only, like, a couple references to the fact that Bruce Wayne's parents were killed.
1: Yeah, um, I seen, like, the station that, uh, watch, the, um, Batman, they did, they did, like, a, like, a funny, like, a very, uh, funny, uh, commercial for the Batman, Yeah, because, you know, like, you know, uh, like, Saturdays at 8, you know, it's the dark night or something like that, and they just, they spill, like, dark, N-I-G-H-T, <laughs> and it's just like, this, like, this. it's showing some of the moments from Batman, and it's uh, done, like, you know, very melodramatic stuff. While they're saying some of the s- silly things, it's, it's pretty great.
0: <laughs> I mean, the show definitely has some lasting appeal, even if it isn't, even if it doesn't line up with the current version of Batman, it is one of the most entertaining things you'd ever watch. Like... I could watch that show every day if I if yeah. I had to. I mean, it was it was just that good.
1: Because um, they just recently started showing it like twice a week, and once they did, I was like, "Oh yes, nice."
0: Twice a week because every episode the internet in a really high stakes cliffhanger.
1: Well, actually, um, I meant they show the they show it in two parts. Yeah, when they show it, you know. I mean, that's what I mean. I mean, they show two episodes twice a week instead of you know one episode or two. They show four episodes. I'm, I'm getting confused. My math is not good.
0: Well, you're a
1: I learned from Billy the Goat what can <laughs> do calculations.
0: Exactly. But um, yeah, I mean, they would always end in cliffhangers. Like Batman and Robin would be tied up and placed in a piano roll. I think one episode um one episode with the mad hatter or or bookworm or one of those two had batman and robin in a giant hourglass and the sand was filling up i think
1: and,
0: I, I think there was one where both of them were in a lion's pit literally in a lion's uh, pit and the way they got out was by climbing out through like i think they shot like some i think they shot out like something mm-hmm. like some like Pl- like little plungers or something.
1: Uh, I remember there was one. I think Cliffhanger was. Uh, I want to say it was King Tut. He was doing like the water torture thing to Batman. Yeah. Where you know, like, if it dripped on his head like so many times, he'd go insane. <laughs> um,
0: there was actually one King Tut episode where he's placed in a giant like sort of human vase type thing.
1: That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's it's not water; it's sand,
0: right? Yeah, it's sand. It is sand. Yeah, and um, he actually—that's one of the episodes where he actually does the famous bat tosie. Yeah, which was a that's dance. something.
1: Yeah, that's something else I meant to say um, when we were talking about Batmania. There was this story I heard Adam West talk about. Or was, he was in the 60s. He was in San Francisco, and he went into this club. You know, he sent all these people everywhere. They were doing it, the Batman, the bat tusi because he was telling just how surreal it was to see all these folks just dancing like that it just blew his mind
0: <laughs> I mean it was everywhere like it captured the culture of the time like whenever I think of the 1960s like one of my first thoughts is that show I mean it mm-hmm. seriously just embodied everything about it I mean it was it was loud it was bombastic, it was colorful and bright I mean it It just, it was a product of his time, and it really shows. But in a positive way, unlike the serials.
1: Yeah, and I do think that, uh, you know, people say Batman can't be campy, or Batman can't be um, funny or, you know, be silly. Batman can be silly. I think Batman can be silly. And I I like camp if it's done well. Like I said last time with uh, Batman and Batman Brave and the Bold, both those are you know examples of camp going right
0: yeah exactly and whereas the serials are camp going wrong because they try to be serious and they end up just pretty much enhancing what is already there that's silly i mean when you boil it down to basics it is essentially a guy running around dressed as an animal punching people i mean that's not that's not really a seri- a concept that lends itself to seriousness unless you have a well rounded portrayal as the comic book Batman yeah so this this version of Batman was actually pretty pretty in keeping with what the logical interpretation of what a person like this would be like like only a town as insane as Gotham City would have Batman as its protector and yeah. and like. Only its police would have him as a duly deputized agent of the law.
1: Um, I think I told you about this uh, a couple weeks ago. I watched the episode. Um, there were there were two great moments in the little prologue before they got to the um, the opening.
0: Yeah.
1: First off, um, Commissioner Gordon called Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He called Bruce Wayne's house. Alfred answered the phone. Like, yes, sir. Let me see if he's in.
0: <laughs> That's another thing, by the way, not to interrupt you, but
1: yeah, well, no, I, I think I was going to get to that.
0: Well, what I was what I was going to say was that, um, you know, Commissioner Gordon would constantly drop by Wayne Manor mm-hmm. because you know Bruce Wayne was a prominent citizen in Gotham.
1: Yeah, and they showed him like out and about stuff, and he would meet Commissioner Gordon at fundraisers and stuff.
0: Yeah, but specifically, Gordon would always encounter Alfred. And Alfred is the one that answers the bat phone.
1: Every time. Or yeah, pretty much every time.
0: Yeah, pretty much. And he never puts two and two together. There's always like a vague hint that, you know, your voice sounds familiar or something like yeah. that, but never once does I mean,
1: it's it's one thing to I mean, like, first off like I know like Adam West really didn't change his voice between Batman and Bruce Wayne. But I I guess I can maybe get that a little bit. It's sort of like the whole Clark Kent thing with, you know, this guy's is rich. You know, why would he do this? Yeah. Um, But Alfred is a guy with the British <laughs> a British accent. Not that, many... A noticeable British accent.
0: He has a very distinct voice, too. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. And how many guys like that are running around Gotham City?
0: <laughs> I mean, they do have, like, tons of dictators yeah. and diplomats, but it's like... There's only one constant British guy.
1: Um but uh like I was saying in the episode um someone sent like a note to uh to uh that call it? to to Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Said that they kidnapped Bruce Wayne. <laughs> and they kidnapped Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson and he called he I think he called and told Alfred about it and had he seen Bruce and Dick, you know. And I was like, "No sir, I haven't." And they're away, or whatever. And so he hung up and Gordon proceeded to call the bat phone, <laughs> which is like three feet to the left of where Alfred's other phone is. He I can
0: see where, it. I can see where this is going.
1: He picks it up. Yes, sir. Is um, <laughs> Batman there. You know, um, no, sir, him and Robin are away. He, you know, they're they're out of town you know, until further notice. And he hangs up the phone, not realizing that, of course, the you know, Alfred, he just talked to Alfred. Mm-hmm. But my favorite part is at the end where he hangs up. You know, Clint, uh, Chief O'Hara's next to him. You know, what, what, Jim? What's going on? You know, he's like, there is no answer for Batman. Him and Robin are out of town. You know, and of course O'Hara's like, "Fate Dembogora." <laughs> does that mean? Yes, it does. They, he, he looks at the. He looks up, all melodramatic. We have to solve this case ourselves. <laughs> Da na 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 na
0: na na There's also another moment where it's it almost like it goes up in ridiculousness, where Bruce Wayne is literally like he's he's a consultant on a case, and Commissioner Gordon wants him to get into contact with Batman, so he has the bat phone and the regular phone connected, the lines connected. So on one hand, Adam West is holding a regular phone. On the other, he's holding the bat phone. He proceeds to have a conversation with himself, never changing his own voice. (laughs) And Commissioner Gordon never puts two and two together. I mean, that's the kind of show this was. I mean, (laughs) logic was not really something that applied. Yeah. Nor should it have been. It was. Uh, it was great. But I mean, I I love that series. I mean, I don't. Th- I think if you're a real right and true Batman fan, you can enjoy it on some level. I think yeah. only. I think only the people that really are close-minded would only dismiss it.
1: I think like most of the people who probably dismiss it are the ones that um. Really didn't get into Batman good until either Burton's take or um, Schumacher, or not Schumacher. Uh, of course, not Schumacher, But like Nolan's take.
0: Yeah, I would. I would say more so Nolan's take because probably.
1: Yeah, because if he is like with Burton, there was still the Burton, Burtonness of it, the quirkiness of it that was a little larger than life.
0: Yes, which we'll get into in uh, yeah. your future installment.
1: But... Um, I guess. Do we want to start maybe to wrap it up? Yeah. Um, well, before we wrap it up, I do want to ask, we've talked about some of the moments in Batman Uh, I, well, with the uh, TV show. What – do you have, like, one moment that's probably
0: your favorite? Um, I mean, it's fairly typical, but mm-hmm. this is the only – this is the one that always comes to mind. It's the beginning of the movie. And, you know, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson immediately shoot up to become Batman. They get out in the Batcopter. They ride out to Commodore Schmidt Lab's uh, yacht. And Batman lowers down on the ladder, but he goes through a hologram. And, of course, he gets into the water. And the copter pulls up, and he's got a rubber, a really fake rubber shark (laughs) attached to his leg. And he is beating the crap out of it. He is beating it back and forth over the head. And in the most over-the-top, the the most beautifully over-the-top moment I've ever seen, he looks up, he holds the radio to his face and says, Robin, hand me down the shark repellent batch spray. And Robin proceeds to turn to a case that has whale repellent, (laughs) octopus repellent, barnacle repellent, like, all these different repellents for different sea creatures. He grabs a shark repellent and proceeds to climb down and give it to Batman, and it works. And by the time the shark hits the water, it explodes, because it had bombs in it.
1: Yeah, and, um, didn't a dolphin detonate it? Isn't that what they say afterwards?
0: Like, yeah, he some... killed,
1: like, some self-sacrificing dolphin?
0: Yeah, something like that, I think think maybe i something like that was definitely said yeah but that that moment just always stuck with me like that was just it was just so perfect in the way that they portrayed the show and also for setting up the tone of the movie
1: um you mentioned commodore schmidt lab and i remember that's one of my favorite parts of that movie is uh when they find commodore schmidt lab quote unquote you know and they know it's the penguin straight up you know
0: yeah, they make no secret of it.
1: Yeah, and you, it's Burgess Meredith. I mean, he's even got he's got still got the long cigarette, and
0: he even I mean, he, he, would he still occasionally goes.
1: Yeah, and you know, they know straight up that it's him. Yeah, but yeah, they still proceed to take him to the bad Cave.
0: They they knock him out with a with a like a bat gas or something.
1: Yeah, and I think they also blindfold him just in case or something.
0: Yeah, but what's also funny is that when they're taking him back after they've uh. After they've had this whole encounter in the Batcave where Penguin creates, like, these these really unstable thugs that are created out of, like, pellets.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and just water. adds water.
0: And all Batman has to do is, like, touch them and they evaporate. Like, completely evaporate. Yeah. By the time he turns back and, you know, despite this, you know, despite this very obvious turn against them... Batman decides to give them the benefit of the doubt because I think he wants to track where he's going and where the other villains are. Um, he proceeds to take him back into Gotham, and on the way there, the penguin gasses them both, kicks them out of the Batmobile, and says, raw, 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 Yo-ho, and away <laughs> we go in my birdmobile. And that, that line always was funny to me,
1: yeah. Um but you mentioned him tracking the... Uh... Bad guys. That's probably one of my favorite moments. I think, like with you, it's something that a lot of people stand out. A lot of folks. It's not necessarily, it's not unknown. It's very typical. But when um, Batman and Robin, you know, they they track. They're able to track Joker, Penguin, Riddler, and Catwoman to their hideout, or so they think.
0: Yeah.
1: And you know, they bust down the door, and sitting in the middle of the room is the most typical bomb that you've ever seen
0: i mean it essentially is like a big black ball with a spark
1: yeah it's just sparking you know and batman proceeds to go on this two minute run throughout the city (laughs) trying to get rid of this bomb trying to place (laughs) though because like he try, like he he he, he tries to get the people to go out the bar um this bar below their hideout and he just runs around in the process he runs into this three-person band it's like a national guard, uh, Salvation Army band. I've never seen a like a marching band one only three people, but they're playing "Bringing in the Sheaves" and he runs to them like six times, and like he contemplates like throwing in the water. I forgot wasn't it's there's people fishing in the water, right?
0: Yeah, there is. And then he also turns to another side of the pier and tries to throw it in the water, and there's a flock of ducks. Ducks.
1: Yeah, and, and he, and he as he runs away from the dock. He's holding the bomb in his hands. And he stops. And he looks, and he stops and he looks at the camera and he gives what is probably the greatest line <laughs> in any Batman movie up up in any Batman moment up until I mean at that time, you know, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb.
0: And history was made.
1: Yes. I, I
0: would think. say I would uh-huh. say even in modern standards that is one of the greatest Batman yes. lines.
1: That is right up there with like whatever I mean, I don't care what Nolan tries to do with Batman with The Dark Knight Rises. If he, I think the the, the only way he can top that is if there's a scene like that <laughs> in the. Dark, I just want to see that in The Dark Knight
0: Rises. Where Christian Bale is running around with a giant fake bomb, <laughs> he tries to throw it in the pier, and there's like Sundays, you just get rid of a bomb. <laughs> exactly. He he bursts. <laughs> he bursts into like a, a tavern of people. He says, "Everyone, flee for your lives!" <laughs> I mean,
1: and, and while he's doing it, there's like two fat people in the foreground who just keeps on eating, minding the business.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, and then he, that same band, you know, it's been it's been almost fifty years, but that same band still—it's like a bunch of idiots. <laughs> they're still playing this. They're off key now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, oh man. uh, Christ that's just so that's just so gold it's just so funny but it's so awesome too Mm mhm but um is that your favorite moment would you say
1: yeah that's that'd be it for me
0: alright well on that note I think it's time to wrap up this bat juncture so until we slide down the bat poles for another installment farewell boy wonder
1: farewell cape crusader
0: this has been bat month Some days she just can't get rid of a bomb. Did you think you were rid of us? One can only help, I guess. We're like a bad case of herpes. Yeah, exactly. We always come back stronger, and we sting a little bit more every time.
1: And we're always on your face for some reason.
0: Yeah, it's weird, but no, we're actually doing uh, an old bit of ours that we had retired a little bit ago.
1: We, we retired in, in its prime. We did this like the first episode, and we never visited it again.
0: Yeah, exactly, and it felt like for Batmonth especially, it needed to come back. So, here is a scene from Batman in Bird and M.B.'s Acting Theater.
1: Is that you, Sugar Bumps? Who the hell are you?
0: It's me, Sugar Bumps.
1: Well, thank God you're alive! I-I heard you'd been...
0: fried. Right? Is that what you heard? You set me up over a woman. A woman. You must be insane. Don't bother. Your life won't be worth spit. I've been dead once already. It's very liberating. Think of it as a therapy. Jack,
1: listen, maybe we can work out a deal.
0: Jack, Jack is dead, my friend. You can call me Joker. And as you can see, I'm a lot happier.